And the Lord will come again. This is Advent. This is Advent. For those who may not be overly familiar, just as the United States has its own set of holidays in which we celebrate various things at various times, the worldwide church has its own calendar, i.e. the liturgical calendar. And from the Sunday after Thanksgiving, leading all the way up until Christmas, this is known as the Advent season. It is a way or it is a time in which we prepare to celebrate the Lord's coming to the earth. I want you to think about it like this. If you were hosting a party or hosting something at your house, I would imagine you would try to straighten up the house and get everything together, what needs to be together for the purpose of the party or the event, so that at the arrival as the people come, everything will be in order. Well, during the Advent season, various churches, and they do this a variety of ways. For example, you see the candles up here. Uh, Folks will take this time to prepare their hearts and minds via various themes to celebrate uh, Christmas season. And so the theme for this year, as opposed, and historically, I've I've, taken each Sunday and I would focus on various aspects, for example, hope or joy or freedom. Uh, These uh, few Sundays, we're going to focus on the theme of light, specifically Jesus Christ being the light of the world. And throughout these sermons, we'll we'll try to see uh, what this means for us. So this morning, uh, our message or our title is The Light of Christ, The Light of Christ, and you will see what this light looks like in the midst of of darkness. So if you're able, I'll ask you to rise. We are, or we will look at Isaiah 60, and we'll read verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. I'll read it, pray, and then you can take your seats. Isaiah 60, beginning at verse number 1. The prophet says these words, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of of your rising. Father, we come now to this portion in the service where we look to your word. And Father, as we are in the midst of uh, Advent season, we pray, Father, that you would bless us as we look to your word. May we see Christ, and in seeing Christ, may we be blessed. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Arise and shine, 
for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Brothers and sisters, the scriptures as a whole, there is a grand narrative that you will see if you take the opportunity to read through the scriptures as a whole. As a matter of fact, our sister Holly referenced it in talking about soul food. You will see creation, i.e. God, making all things that exist. Then there is a fall in which creation becomes broken, separated from God. But nonetheless, in the midst of its brokenness, the Lord makes a promise of redemption. And in between the fall and in between, well, in between the fall and redemption, there is an expectation, a hope that is created for the people. You'll see this not only in the creation and the fall story, but you'll also see it in uh, the story whereby God's people enter the promised land. And they go into the promised land and they experience the blessings of God and on some level a partial fulfillment of his redemption. And yet they fall again by refusing to follow in the ways of the Lord. And as a result, they go into exile. So just as Adam and Eve are removed from the garden, so God's people are removed from the promised land. And yet, God promises restoration. He promises salvation. And so in between the being kicked out of the land and them coming back into the land, there is hope and expectation that is created. You'll see that's kind of where Isaiah falls. Now, Isaiah, as I've said before in an earlier sermon using uh, his text, uh, he is considered an early prophet, meaning he preached prior to the people being removed from the promised land. He had the unfortunate job of going to the people and even to some of the nations and declaring God's judgment upon the people. He comes to the people and he lets them know the Lord has proclaimed judgment upon you for you have transgressed his ways and his laws. And he's given you time and time and time again to repent and to turn from your ways. And yet, the people are stubborn and they refuse to turn from their wicked ways. And as a result, God's judgment is sure. And so the people are going to be removed from the land. But yet, because our God is gracious, yet because our God has promised his people redemption, even in the midst of 
proclaiming judgment, he also lets them know that there will be restoration. There will be salvation. There will be redemption. And this is what Isaiah has to do. He has to go to the people and tell them these difficult truths, these difficult proclamations. And I don't know whether or not the tradition is correct, but there is a tradition that he was sawed in two as a result of his ministry, i.e. killed. But he goes out and he proclaims these things. And at the same time, he also lets the people know that the Lord will not forget about them. And in the text for this morning, we come to the redemption side. We come to the part of his prophecy where, in the midst of having told them of the difficult times to come, yet be mindful that there is restoration around the corner. There is restoration around the corner. And so, He says yet again to read, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The promises of God are often told against the backdrop of difficulty. Whenever you see a promise of God in the scriptures, more times than not, it is made while his people are undergoing some difficult circumstance. I need not go over all of the examples, but uh, a few uh, examples. For example, I referenced uh, Adam and Eve when when they fell. In that fall, in Genesis chapter 3, there was a promise that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. This promise was made after the people or after Adam and Eve had fallen. Of course, you move forward and you see uh, the people of Israel in slavery in Egypt. God has already made the promise, as a matter of fact, to Abraham, but to the people in Moses' day, as they are hearing this promise that God is going to redeem them and bring them out of slavery, they are hearing this while in slavery. Again, you can go on and on, but you would be you would do well to know that God often makes his promises or he reminds people of his promises against the backdrop of difficulty. And that is the case again in Isaiah's day. While the people have sinned and while the people are fallen, and yes, discipline and judgment is around the corner, they are hearing God's promise in the midst of this difficult truth. And again, this is a good thing to hear, but they're hearing it while being tried for the judgments of Isaiah. Now, having said that, you hear the word light in this passage. For example, arise, shine, for your light has come. 
If you go down to verse number three, and nations shall come to your light. In the Bible, if you look at the word light, you will see that it carries various connotations depending upon the context. For example, it could mean uh, righteousness. It could mean goodness. It could be guidance. In this context and in others, it has to do with redemption and salvation. In other words, it's a way of saying your salvation, your redemption has come. Now, I look at this portion of Scripture and we think in light of the Advent season. And what I want for us to do, I would like for us to fast forward in our minds and to think about the days of Christ. And by the way, in terms of sermons, we'll come to some of those texts uh, here in the near future. But I want you for now to fast forward to the days of Christ. And you'll see that in the Gospels, and I'm thinking specifically of Matthew and also Luke. The people were living in darkness. Now, the irony behind that is God's people from the days of Isaiah up until the days of Jesus Christ, they had been brought back into the land. And not only that, the temple had been restored. And these were all, these were very important things, very important promises of God. They were in the land that God had promised them. The temple had been rebuilt after having been destroyed, but something was still lacking. There was no king in the form of David. Sure, there was, you know, Herod and some other folks who were authoritative, and they had rule over uh, the Israelites in those particular days. But this was not the same as having a king like David, whose rule was sovereign, whose days was glorious. And so the people, while they were in their land and the temple was still operating and functioning, yet there was something that was missing. And of course, Matthew and Luke will have us to know that what was missing was Christ himself. For he would be the light that was promised. This text, as a matter of fact, in Isaiah is is quite messianic. It is, in other words, it is a text that, that, that prophetically points to the Lord Jesus There are debates about who this might have been in that particular day. But for Christians, at the very least, we look and we see a prophetic text that points to the Lord Jesus and his coming. In other words, he would be the light that would show up in the days of darkness. Now, I don't want to belabor that point because I'm saving some of that for uh, those sermons. But for practicality's sake. I want us to think about some of the darknesses that we face in our own times. Again, in the days of Isaiah, there's darkness. Their darkness had to do with sin in particular. But then as the people go into exile, you can characterize their darkness as a form of oppression as being separated, not only from their land, but in a certain sense from their God. 
separation from their place of worship. This was the darkness in their particular time. As we think about our own day, what are the darknesses that we see as a result of living in a fallen creation? I need not give you multiple examples, but of course, all you would have to do is turn on the TV. You will see some sort of bad news. Listen to the radio, read the paper, go around the corner, and you'll see various forms of darkness around us. And yet, we are reminded that Christ himself has come to be that light for these various dark places. Not only are there dark places from a corporate society standpoint, but what are the dark places in our own hearts and minds? Some of us struggle with various sins, and that serves as a form of darkness. Some of us are overly anxious. Some of us are stressed. Some of us are confused, and on some level that could serve as a form of darkness. But yet, the Scriptures remind us that Christ comes to be the light in these dark places. Now, how is it that Christ comes to be the light in these various places? In Jesus' day, in Isaiah's day, whenever Christ is prophesied about, Christ is prophesied in the context of, of redemption and salvation. In other words, wherever you find yourself struggling or wherever you find yourself and you've fallen, wherever you find yourself and you are lost, Christ's light comes to redeem and to save and to give guidance unto. And here's the thing. This is a promise of God who cannot lie. And we get victories here and now, but yet we confess that there are times in which we still struggle with some of the darknesses that we see. But yet the ultimate promise is that there will be a day in which there will be no more darkness. There will be no more crying. There will be no more difficulties because the light in its fullness will be amongst us. And so this Advent season, as we think about light, and, 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 and I say this, and this is a challenge for me, we are, and we'll come to this as a matter of fact, we're called to be light as a church, and we'll talk about what that means as well in a future sermon. But yet, let us not mistake that Christ himself is the true light. And in order for us to be light, we must walk in his light. And so whatever it is that we see out there, and this is, a, this is a bit of homework, so to speak, for you and for myself. This is something I said that I'm going to think about this Advent season as we concentrate on this idea of light. Whenever I see some form of darkness, for example, you hear something in the news that, that, that's gloomy or down. I am going to think upon the fact that Christ has not only come, but he promises to come again. 
So when I see that dark, whatever it might be, I am challenging myself in my mind to think on the fact that Christ is coming again. And to not only think upon it, but to verbalize it. This is my homework, and I invite you to share in it. This morning I woke up and I saw in the city that I'm coming from 10 people shot on the street overnight, and I put my homework into practice. The Lord is coming again, and he will be that light that we need. And so, brothers and sisters, this is meant to be an encouraging thing. This is meant to be something that, that we are to remind ourselves of daily. As a matter of fact, and I've said this, I think, in my testimony when I was coming here, uh, you know, Lord, and part of this is my personality, so it says nothing about you, um, reassure me that this is your call. Lord, I am wrestling and I am trying to think upon whether or not you are speaking and you are, you are leading me and my family to, to come and take the call at faith. And I would ask him to reassure me. And this was not just prior to making the decision, but even after. Lord, reassure me. And then I found myself, he, he, he would give some type of reassurance that really encouraged my heart. And then I would play like Abraham, Lord, okay, can I ask you one more time? I know I asked last week, but can you give me another reassurance? And out of his grace and out of his mercy, he would reassure me yet again. Well, Advent as we think upon his coming and the fact that he is coming again, that is meant to reassure us that whatever he has promised us is true. Are you down? The Lord will lift up. Are you discouraged? The Lord will encourage. Are you in pain? The Lord heals. Are you lost? The Lord will give you guidance. The Lord makes these promises time and again. And he's able to do this because he himself is the Lord. And so, brothers and sisters, as I, Isaiah says to his audience, arise. As he says to Jerusalem, arise. So I say to you and I say to me that we can arise. For our light has come. Our light is Christ. He has come. And not only has he come, but even at the end of the verse, in verse number three, it talks about all these kings and various people coming to him. And that's eschatological in some sense. It talks about a future happening that will come. And brothers and sisters, there is so much that is yet to come as a result of what he has done for us. And so let us take great hope. Let us take encouragement. Let us be reminded that in the midst of whatever darkness there is, we have a light, and that light is Christ. And let us not only encourage ourselves with this, but let us encourage our neighbors, our coworkers, our families. Let us encourage one another
that Christ is our light. And no matter what darkness we find ourselves facing, this darkness will not overcome the light that Christ provides. Isaiah is encouraging his people in the midst of what's to come. And I believe that Advent serves as an encouragement for us as well. And so, brothers and sisters, for this morning, let us reflect upon the fact that Christ is the light and he, is, and he shines bright in our dark moments. Let us be encouraged by that. Father, we bless your most holy name. And Father, as we think about the ways in which Isaiah encourages his people, despite the fact that they have sinned, despite the fact that they will go into exile, you remind them, you reminded them through Isaiah that salvation will come. And Father, we look and we see that salvation in the coming of Christ. And Father, we pray that you would help us in the midst of gloominess, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of exile or discipline, help us to be reminded that our light has come and that our light will come. And Father, may we be reassured of our salvation. May we be reassured of full redemption because of the light of Christ. And Father, may we go out and reflect this light. May we be the light that you have called us to be in Christ in a dark world. Help us to point others to Christ in our words, but also in our deeds. And as the world sees our light, may they see you. We thank you so much for Christ being our light. Lord, help us to follow him. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.